For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. USA! USA! Shot clock turned off, Calvary, Hall, eight to shoot, Hall, the runner! Loose ball, it's good! Williams Goss comes out of the pack. Matthews for three. Oh my goodness! Morrison, six! It's time for Zag Hoop Talk with Jack and Zach on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, wow. Here's Jack Ferris. They found mold in my apartment. And Rob Zachary. All I was thinking about is, like, how do you know what things to use to wipe? Believe in the Zags. It is. Uh, this we're recording this on a Thursday. It's the 9th of July, 2020. He's Rob Sacre. I'm Jack Ferris. I'm off the drugs, Rob. I'm no longer on PEDs. Oh, I was going to say you're off the drugs, man. I'm off the What's drugs. What's happening? Well, okay. I'm up here in Tahoe. Very good friend is letting me stay here. Thank you, John Quinlan. I wake up this morning to make myself some coffee because we have an excellent guest, Beto Duran, and I want to get juiced up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just yep. better when I'm, when I'm a couple of Oh, coffee. yeah. I know you need your two espressos. <laughs> so I pull out the coffee. It's decaf. Where are you? Some third world country? Third Who? world countries don't have decaf. Who spends money on decaf coffee? They, I, I'm confident there's not one of our listeners who is a decaf coffee person. Actually, maybe we have a Mormon or two that's like decaf coffee person. That's neither here nor there. Is Mormons not allowed to have caffeine? No caffeine, my man. No caffeine. No caffeine. Anyway, so I'm, I'm not on my caffeine drug, and I'm not on my well, pregnant zone. Pregnant zone? Pregnant zone for my poison oak. You know it better than I do. <laughs> I the poison oak is, is – all, almost defeated, my friend. All right, so are you still getting itch? An itch here or there. An itch here or there. Okay. But what's a okay. bummer is like I wanna I wanna go on runs. I, runs you can't you can't go on runs with poison oak, buddy. No. This is what Absolutely people not. I know, I know. But anyway, yeah. the uh, the the summer guest series continues. Cause Beto oh, Duran yeah. is a good one. Good one oh, on yeah. the back end he of this. Gives some good insight on some uh, back behind the scenes with the Lakers for sure. He he knows some good scoop and good stories and he's just a good dude and uh, like he'll he'll say we just connected once once we met. It was it was on and we just had a friendship from there on, man. Yeah, it's funny. I asked him his uh, favorite Laker moment because he was entrenched with the Lakers for uh, well over a decade. And his answer will surprise you because it involves Rob Sacre. <laughs> Excellent stuff. 
Hey, uh, how was your fourth? What'd you do? What the sacrifice? Uh, so that's a good question. Um, I went to the lake and I went back in time. Back in time. Yes. I, my phone went into the water. Oh, oh this, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Tell me so, more. Yeah. So my phone went into the water. Uh, we don't have to discuss how it got into the water. It just uh -oh. slipped out of my pocket. And when I was trying every, you know, when you try to do everything to keep your phone from getting wet or damaged, well, it got wet. Long story short. Okay. Oh, wait. In terms of like, you mean like you put it in a plastic bag, you did all the proper precautions? I just put it, I was like, okay, it, it was choppy. So water was coming onto the docks and I was like, you know what? I shouldn't have my, I'll put my phone on the boat. Smart. And I put it in my pocket on my sweatshirt on the boat. And then I went to put my daughter to lay down because she was getting too much sun. She was getting sleepy from the sun. Yeah. Put her down. I was like, let me cover her up with my sweatshirt. Oh. God. phone just went right over the edge so you're just being there a good dad and you got punished got punished well <laughs> the reason i say i went back to the future because i had to go three days with a flip phone until yeah. my phone got whatever sent in the mail or whatever and i didn't know how to text I didn't know what, to, when people were texting me, I apologize if I didn't respond to you because I didn't know what I was, I had to press buttons three to four times just to get one letter, difficulties. Then me going back even more into the future, you don't realize your music's on your phone too. Yeah. So when I got in the car, no music. So what did I have to do? Find some CDs. Yo, you've refused to go radio. I I, yeah, I refused to go radio, and I found some CDs laying around. And I, my, my oldest was in the car, and I was like, I hope this CD doesn't scratch. I was like, I hope this CD doesn't scratch. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, dude, you don't Yeah, even. he doesn't. How crazy. I was that? like, what? That was the craziest part about all of this was like, he had no clue about Remember Discman where you had the anti-shock and all that? But it no never kidding. worked. Like you were never you, worked. You could run with it, but you still you had to hold it like this. You had to yes. hold it like a plate. Yeah. I was like, what? I, I'm like, I have a flip phone and I'm listening to CDs right now. Where have I gone in my life? But that was my fourth, man. Yeah, it's funny. <clears throat> this day and age, when you test someone or when you text someone who has an iPhone and your text comes up green, you know something's wrong. So when I texted right. you and it was green, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm living in a flip phone. I was like, oh, God. What lake were you on? Uh, Coeur d'Alene. It was okay. really nice, man. It was a little windy that day, but it was a good 4th of July. It was, uh, got, just got to hang out at the lake, um, got to be on the boat a little bit. Just enjoy the day with the fam, man. It was good 4th. How was Are yours? You, it was fine. I was up in uh, Petaluma. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Are you a water ski guy? Nope. I'm tube. I like tubing though. Like okay. I, if you, I, I'm a, I'm a guy. Let's, let's see how far I can skip across the water. If you can get me off this tube, I will be, uh, I'm down. Are you a good driver with people tubing behind you? Cause that I've, is like a skill. I've never driven a boat. Is that <laughs> not that I, I'd refuse to drive. That's one thing I won't say I never will do it. And I look at boats and I'm like, 
oh man, that's a really cool thing. But someone told me if it floats, flies, and I can't use the other word I was going to say. Rent it. Don't buy it. If it floats, flies, or let's just say it's a four-letter word that starts uh-huh. with an F, don't buy it. So I refuse to buy a boat, but I enjoy my other friend's boats. That's, so. that's all you need, buddy. That's all you need. Buddy's yeah, man. Yeah, but it was a good one, man. Just super laid back. I think we ended up falling asleep by like 7 o'clock that night. So, <laughs> Well, you if you're listening to this, you are not going to fall asleep listening to Beto. He is a uh, L.A. media icon. Yes. That's right. I said it. L.A. media icon for the last 20 years. And we're going to listen to him right now. From the corner! Is this a Gonzaga podcast or a regular podcast? No, this is just Jack and Sack, baby. This isn't Gonzaga, so I could be like, I could talk all this shit. And please do. Please do. Talk that shit. What do you want to talk about Gonzaga for? What do you want to say now? I I know you guys do a Gonzaga podcast, too. We definitely definitely talk a lot of Zags. That's correct. There's a lot of Zag talk on here. Yeah. And it's alienating to people. I get people... Because I'm from San Francisco, people are like, you have a podcast, what's it about? I go, uh, it's a lot of things, a lot of zag, zag hoop talk, and it, it, that's kind of repellent for some people. Correct. But so, how about you, Beto? It sounds like you got strong opinions on the zags one way or another. No, I, yeah, I, no, I, I love the zags. I love you. Go Jesuits. No, you didn't, you didn't start, Go Jesuits, this you started said? this conversation this way. You can't start a conversation talking shit, man. I'm, 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 what's there bad to say about Gonzaga? Nothing. The only thing bad to say about Gonzaga is that you, fool. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go to undergrad, Beto? Shit, I'm a junior college All-American. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So you're was, from? Uh, I'm ahead. from L.A., born and raised, and then I went to every junior college you can think of, and then I just got into start hustling internships around the place, and then here I am. I saw that. Internship 2000 at the uh, Democratic National Convention. Yeah, that was uh, my first one. I was uh, I snuck in for uh, New York One at a C- CNN affiliate. Yeah, um, friends of mine that went to USC were like, "Hey, they're having an internship here," but I didn't go to USC. But I told them I did. Um, and <laughs> oh my god! No, so your, that's your, no, your whole career is based on a lie. It's not a lie <laughs> if you believe it. Um, <laughs> you know, I told them that what happened was the reason they got the internship was because they somebody fell out and it was two days before the convention started and they needed somebody and i just said i was like yeah i'm transferring in the fall i w- so i was already there they liked yeah. me and then so yeah was- they needed they needed someone yesterday they yeah, exactly and i was already there and then i was already i was like yeah i'll be there and then i just acted like it was like first ever one so i acted like i knew what i was doing so beto was it always Wait, are we live right now? We're rolling. Oh, we're, oh, yeah, we're, we're live, live, baby. Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. Well, then if, I, I'm going to be all professional now. Like, yeah, yeah so that was yeah, my yeah. No, man. No way. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got in, and then I thought I wanted to be a writer. Um, yeah. I saw what a TV production looked like, and I was like, this is way better. Like, it looked like on TV where it's like, hurry up. We're going to go live in 30 seconds, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, damn, I'd rather do this than be a writer. And then that led to me working at ESPN Radio as the guy. I started off there as the promotions guy setting up, like, the tents and throwing out the t-shirts of course uh, by doing that I, I met one of the producers who's like hey can you be here tomorrow like at 12 and i was like cool i'll be there at 10 you know uh-huh. let me in the door a little bit i knocked it down and then um one thing led to another i started answering the phone calls on christmas eve and all that other stuff because somebody didn't show up i learned how to be a board op and i always thought i was gonna be behind the scenes and then um i started doing stuff on air 
and 20 years later, I'm in my garage doing a podcast with you. So <laughs> <laughs> it goes up and down. Dreams come true. Now, growing up, were you a, a Lakers guy? I can't imagine you were a Clippers guy. Um, so, like, I grew up in uh, Showtime Lakers. So, yeah. you know, that was, like, the kid. I'm in elementary at Showtime Lakers. So everybody was, like, magic. And, you know, there's pictures of me, like, uh, with the Laker hat and all that other stuff. Like, I have older brothers, so, like, that was a thing. But I never went to a Laker game because you couldn't go. So we would go to Clipper games, sports arena, because you just show up. And my brother worked at a park. And so he took, like, you know, the park kids to the Clipper <laughs> games. And I got to play at sports arena at halftime. You know how you have the little kids player? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that, I got to do that once a year. So you go to the Clipper game. But, I mean, I was just a sports fan. So, like, obviously, if you're in L.A., you're a Laker fan in the 80s. And then as I get to high school, it's like, damn, they suck. You know, like, there are some what bad – Cedric Sabalas is the – come on now. Yeah, yeah, they suck, right? Like, they were like <laughs> – <laughs> was it one, two, three, Cancun? Right? Big Ben no. Exel? You know, no. uh, so it was before Shaq got there and uh, before Kobe. So, like, I'm, I'm 41, so I was Kobe's age. So, it's like, you saw some lean years. I love Eddie Jones, you know, still mm. three, but it was like uh, – like – but, you know, you still rock with the Lakers. It's L.A. Everybody loves the Lakers, no matter what. Like, hey. even, and the Clipper fans that are here are just usually Laker haters. That's what it is. Hey, I heard uh, Eddie Jones used to be my favorite player. Yeah. But then when I played for the Lakers, I heard stories about Oh, this. for real? Dog, I heard this guy was so soft. He was my favorite player, mm-hmm. too. I heard, though, he got hit in the face and got a little cut, and he was done for the rest of the game. Oh, and I'm, 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 I, this is from some reliable sources that yeah. also were competing for his job, too. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, Eddie was number 25 and became number six. He was the man. Yeah, that's why I wore number six. For I tried to wear six all the time because of Eddie Jones. He's my favorite. you like Eddie Jones? He's like a little dude. Dude. Dude, he was nice when he went to Miami, and he, he led the league in steals with L.A. Yeah, he was good. I and liked then, him at a temple. And then, and then Kobe told me all these stories. And I just, oh, then that's – well, yeah, because Kobe <laughs> – Better, you mentioned uh, you were Kobe's agent. It's interesting because your career uh, in media started, as you said, 20 years ago, 2000, and you, you've kind of you, – you rose as Kobe's career was yeah. ascending. And when you started really covering the Lakers – closely did you uh, did you have a story do you have a moment when uh kobe kind of accepted you as a media member or did it ever happen with kobe Man, you know what <laughs> i'm not like accepting part he didn't accept anybody yeah okay it's like <laughs> it, it, it's look, okay so kobe was cool he was you know he, like i'm one of those guys that defended him when people were like oh he's this he's this and that. i'm like first of all you've never been around him like mm-hmm. to the fans like i never tell people where i work because then you're going to have fans like they're like when you're a sports reporter, people don't want to have a conversation with you. They want to try to be smarter than you about stuff. Right. <laughs> Bob, like you're, you're a player. People try to tell you like how to shoot. It's like, I'm the one that's playing. Like, mm. right. I'm so in the, the NBA. Report, yeah. Like as a sports reporter is like, Oh, you, oh, well the Lakers are going to do this. And I'm like, no, actually they're not like, you know, or the, Bill Jackson doesn't like this. Actually he does. So, and so with Kobe, it was always like, <laughs> Oh, Kobe's a jerk. Why? He didn't want to sign for me. You know why he doesn't sign for you? Because if he stopped for one person, 8 billion people are going to show up right there at that moment. So 
He was always cool. It, the thing with Kobe was, if you were soft, he called oh. you out. It doesn't matter if you were a player, a teammate, the, the guy washing the car, whatever it was. So it's if you're a reporter and, like, so I'm uh, probably a couple years into my reporting jobs oh, where I'm covering the Lakers. I started covering the Lakers full-time in 2008 when they went to the Celtics, the oh. Orlando, yep. that time. That's where I was around full-time. So I know my role. I'm not one of those guys, like, so I used to work for ESPN Radio. I'm not one of those guys who says, I have to ask a question no matter what all the damn time. Yeah. Like Robert knows, I would stand there and ask a question every now and then, but I would listen more than do this other stuff because – it, it, especially with the Lakers, there's 30 people around. You're going to get what you need. And if you're going to ask a question, make sure it's good. That's what I was always taught. Don't talk just to talk. So with Kobe, everybody wanted to talk around him to hear themselves. That way they could use it for their soundbite. Anyways, so I would see that. And with me, it was, if I asked him a question, it would be good. But because I was the younger guy and I was kind of his age and I wasn't, like, established enough around him, I'd ask him a question and he'd kind of give me a look. Like, that's a stupid question. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not, because I know I come prepared. I've never done the, oh, talk about this. How do you feel about this? I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm good. So, <laughs> so, right? And I, I'm not asking 8,000 questions all the time. So he would kind of, like, brush me off. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, it's December, you're at practice, whatever. I'd follow up, and he kind of just rolled his eyes at it. And I was like, I knew what he was doing because he was just testing me because I was younger and I was around the same age. So I'm like, all right. So I just kept on asking the questions, and it was cool. And it's not like he ever accepted it. It's just once he realizes that you're not going to back down, then he answers you. You know, it's uh, – and also, if you come in sucking up, oh, he's going to own you. Like, if you're one of the kiss-ass reporters, I mean, we all, the, all, all players like that, but at the same time, it's like, don't be my kiss-ass one day, then it'll be a hard-ass the next day. Like, which one are you? So that was the thing, but I always respected him because – here's why I respected him so much, because – Every game, win or lose, he stood at his locker and answered every single question. And he would have the American media, the Asian media, the international media, and he would answer all the questions. They might have been good answers, but he stood there. Some of Robert's teammates, they only stood and answered when the TV cameras were there. Kobe was answering no matter what. I mean, and he would get some stupid questions from some of the international media, but he was there. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the worst? Who would disappear in the locker room when, after a bad game? Like consistently. Oh, yeah, you want to name a name, but you can't, can you? I mean, they're not playing anymore, but, like, it, 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 I've always said this. Because cover, I cover all, all the sports. It was the guys who are superstars are usually the nicest. Mm -hmm. The ones who think they are are the worst. Mm -hmm. Like, Robert shaking his head like, yeah, he knows. I'm not, just, I already know those people. I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. But it, was, it, it would be the bench guys. It would be the bench. It's not just on the Lakers. It was on the Clippers, too. It would be the bench guys who were just like, oh, you know, I work radio. So I would go up to them, and I work for the flagship station. So the interviews that I would get, they go immediately on the postgame show. And they're like, oh, I got to go. Family's here. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. But TV stops them on the way out the door. Oh, yeah, I got time. I'm like, yeah. You just told me no yeah. 20 seconds ago. But now the TV reporter stops you. I'm like, whatever. But you just never take anything personal because, you know, it's all going to come back. And what happens, they always end up working in media anyways. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> how's, your, how's your fake media laugh when you're in a locker room? I don't have that. 
แม่ปัดแกะไรไอ้บิ๊กไรฮัลโหลสิ่งนี้ไรไม่ใช่ว่าฉันเป็นคนที่ดีแต่คุณเป็นคนที่ดีไม่ใช่ว่าคุณเป็นคนที่ดีแต่ฉันไม่ใช่คนที่ดีแต่คุณเป็นคนที่ดีแต่ฉันไม่ใช่คนที่ดีแต่ฉันไม่ใช่คนที่ดีแต่ And it, and they you know and especially in baseball they, there's no way they could do any of that stuff. But it's like like I grew up playing sports. I know, I know how to handle myself. I'm alright, but I'm not like an expert on anything. But there's so I'm just there's a lot of guys who are just super nerds, and it's like like they fanboy out about stuff, and not the big time guys, but like the mid level guys or something like that. Mid level the media guys. Yeah, guys. it's like eh, you know it's like. Bob knows. You know who you can use as a member of the uh, member of the media to get your message out. You know, and we know who is using the reporters to that. That's why whenever like sources say, "Is like, dude, we know who the sources are in the uh -huh. locker room." Like, uh -huh. it's not that hard to figure out who it is. But no, I ain't got no media because if you're fake, you're not gonna last, and you're gonna get used, and you're gonna get thrown out, and also you have no credibility. It's like you don't want to be the kiss ass in the locker room. And it's, I'd rather have a long ass career where you're respected instead of like, oh, that's the the chump I can push over and I can get something out of. Who has a great fake media laugh? <laughs> you know who normally has that are like the local TV reporters. Yeah. Like say the, who only show up for like playoff games. Uh huh. But. Like the beat reporters are there every day. Nah, the ones that are practice every day. Nah, but it's like the. The local fluff ones who have amazing hair, who oh, we're gonna say with the great makeup, they have the, the best. Makeup, but yeah, and they're like, oh yeah, they're great. But it's not just in LA; that's across the entire country. Because we, or sometimes even better, where they'll have like the normal reporter who does like news, but then they'll come into the the playoff, the big games. Yeah, 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 the big games, and it's like, all and right, you, cool. Like, you can you? name like four starters. No. Two, two. <laughs> your your first year, two thousand eight. Did you go to Boston for the finals games? Yeah. So I would. So for two thousand six and seven, my job was to go to Laker practices mm -hmm. and then Clipper games. So I would oh. do all the Laker practices, and then the, the I was the backup reporter, and then I, that's where I, I earned my my keep because I'd go to like practice and grind and see what's going on, and you just get to know people. And then I would work games, and then I was also doing college basketball. I did like a lot of USC, UCLA games and stuff like that. So I was doing a bunch of stuff. So I wasn't complaining. I'm, I was just getting my feet wet. So I'm cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, 2008, I got sent to the playoff runs. So I did every single. I went Utah, Denver, uh, Boston. So I got to see all that and how that was going on. It was, it was cool. I've never traveled with a team. I've never. I'm not a beat guy that travels like that. But for the playoffs that year, I did, and it was, it was pretty cool to see in Boston, and then. When they went back and got smoked in that last game, yeah, anything is remember, possible. Game. Oh yeah, remember this is uh, it was halftime. I'm on the phone trying to book a flight, mm -hmm. like go back home because they're getting smoked. There's gonna be a party, and I'm like, I thought it was gonna go. You know, you you book for game seven, but it was sure. like, uh, you know what? Halftime. I'm calling my flight right now. And this 2008, <laughs> you really couldn't, you know, it, do what yeah. you gotta do on your phone. So I was like, damn it. Like, I got to hurry up and get the hell out of this city, man. Is uh, So I saw the celebration in Boston. It was interesting to see. And then that's the one where Meta went into the locker room and all that other stuff. And he's talking to Kobe. And it was interesting, man. That that playoff run when he was on the Rockets? No, Meta was in, uh, in Boston. 
Oh, he was in Boston. When the Lakers no, 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 lost no, no, to Boston? Yeah. yeah. You guys heard that story, right? Meta went into the locker room. I, well, he was, a, he was a spectator. He was a spectator. Yeah. But he okay, went into okay. the Laker locker room and was, like, telling him, we're going to do this. Like, he's telling Kobe, like, we're going to do this. Like, yeah, that story where he's, as a spectator, and he's, like, telling Kobe, we're going to get together. We're going to make a team. And Kobe, like, fuck out of here. Like, man, what are you doing? And sure enough, <laughs> they become teammates. Hey, Meadow was on the podcast last episode. I saw that, man. What a good dude, man. Like, mm. like I'm glad that his image has been uh, re- rehabilitated because everybody only just thinks, like, okay, the Dallas and the Palace. But one of the nicest persons I've ever met, um, yeah. he's a big boxing fan. So I've worked fights with him where he's been my analyst. Like, but like a fight where they, there's like 300 people in the crowd and he's just all about it. And it's like, because he sponsors some fighters that like guys that have no chance, but he'll sponsor them because he met them. And he'll like all of a sudden pay their like training dues and stuff like that. Just oh, really? the nicest guy. His kids are smart. You know that, Rob? Oh, very much so. Dude, very that one kid goes to Stanford. He's youngest or what? Which the middle child. The one that doesn't play basketball. The, oh, remember Ron? there was always that kid who would just kind of sit on the bench with like a game Ron. boy or whatever? Ron. That dude Ron. is like studying science at Stanford. What? Yeah. He graduated oh. high school early. That kid. He went to the same high school as uh, Shaq's kid, right? Or no? I know it was up there in, like, uh, Beverly Hills area or something. No, no they went to he, Beverly Hills High. So, yeah, yeah the oldest one as, as playing somewhere in college, the one that became, like, 6'8 out of nowhere. The one, yeah. Dude, this kid uh, would just be at, at the shoot-arounds in the morning or at, at, before the games. <laughs> and just awkward. Like, right? He was, like, 6'4", but he's, like, 12. Just couldn't walk. Just all weird. And now he's, like, a man. He played in the Drew League, that kid. He always played in the – well, Meta made him play. It wasn't yeah. like he had an option. He made him play and was like, no, you're playing with me and you got to toughen up. Yeah. And I, I – Meta, yo, send him to Gonzaga, man. Like, he's <laughs> seven, six, eight. He's huge. Yeah. It's like, I think they would take him. I'm like, come on, man. Let's go. Let's get that – but he was so raw at the time, too. Yeah. Hey, when you guys talk to Meta, did he just go off on, like, all these different crazy stories? He, you know what was funny? Because I, I had never really heard him talk about his St. John's days. But I brought up, I, I, all I said was, you know, I hate to bring up bad memories, but he goes Ohio State, Elite Eight. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And then he's just like, yeah, three points, one of the worst losses of my career, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he went into detail about the game and the season. I had never – because, yeah, yeah as, from a fan's perspective, it's interesting you say that, Beto. I remember Malice in the Palace. I remember yeah. just him being a dude you wouldn't want to fuck with at all costs. <laughs> right. And then I do remember when he went back to L.A. and he would tweet out, said, hey, you know, uh, I'm here by myself, no family. Can I go eat dinner somewhere? Yeah. And people would, like, invite him, and he would l- l- show up. This is, like, the early days of Twitter. Yeah. Like, that kind of stuff was unheard of. So, yeah, no, sp- spending an hour with him really – I mean, like you said, he's he's a really good dude. He was in L.A. and he would just say, "Hey, like just say, I'm bored. Uh, meet me in Santa Monica Pier to play kickball." And like, yeah. fifty fans are showing up. Like, just, just he's just that guy. He's cool though. Well, that's his well, app he, now. Have you seen his app now? X versus X Sports. No, what's he doing? It's for pickup basketball. So what you do is in L.A. in the major cities, if you play, you can rate the guys you play against, and then you have a rating because it's kind of like an Uber thing, you know. And uh, right now, if you, you can request to play with him in L.A. So what he does every day is to show up to these different pickup games. What? Yes. Yes. X versus X Sports. It's, it's outrageous. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> 
And this is the same guy driving a Prius too. Yeah. To the he didn't drive a <laughs> Prius to games. What, does he, and the George Lopez car. Yeah, the lowrider. You know what else he does? The last time I saw him, uh, we, we were doing a, a radio show together. He's like, I got to go. I got a flight to catch. I'm like, all right, cool. Where are you going? I'm thinking he's going New York, whatever. And he's like, uh, I'm going to Omaha. I'm going to Warren Buffett's uh, Berkshire Hathaway uh, shareholders meeting. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I go every year. Like, he's hanging, but. Just as a regular investor. Not, he's as a regular investor, a, yeah. but, he gets the, but he gets an audience with Warren Buffett. Yeah. Like, his guys are there. I'm like, you know what? This is just an interesting. There's, he's a character, man, but he's cool. He's cool. He, oh, I mean, he so gave cool. away his ring, his, his championship ring. He raffled it off for charity. Is yeah. he, if I were to ask you to create your Mount Rushmore of uh, characters you covered with the Lakers or, and Clippers, would he be on there? Characters? Yeah. Top five characters. Top five oh. characters. And, would, and is Chris Kamen on there? See, Kamen was, Kamen was a Clipper caveman. <laughs> Remember that? He had the long, crazy, and it was yeah. like, who's this guy coming out of was it Central Michigan? Like, who, who, yeah. what? Then uh, he was interesting. Kamen used to live in Redondo, Rob, and on the side of his house, he had an archery set up. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Bow and arrow set up. This is like when he was young. Before he was married, he just had all kinds of weird stuff going on. I mean, he's from, like, hundreds of acres of land in Michigan to come yeah. to Redondo where you're allowed, like, 800 square feet. You know, that's it. Uh, Kamen was an interesting character. But he was always cool. He was just raw. He worked. He was, those seven-footers are different, man. Seven-foot people are weird, right? <laughs> I think you have to be, you have to be different when you're seven-foot, yeah. right, Rab? Like, you're, you're – well, Everything is different for a seven-footer. Like getting into a well, car. Well, here's the thing. Plane, standing here's in the line. thing. You're different because I think you, as seven-footers, um, unless they don't, you know, there's the, you can tell someone who has confidence with, who's seven feet and who doesn't because you can see their shoulders all rounded up and they don't want to be seven feet. But the, for the majority of seven-footers, dude, as soon as you walk into a room, you're – People are going to initially ask, how tall are you? You're going to uh, start a conversation. So you, you got to kind of be comfortable with yourself. Find out who yourself is because people are going to ask you questions that they won't ask a short, fat person. You know what I mean? Like, and why do I have to be fat when you're talking to me like that? Because well, you st you said that first before we even started. Before Beto got on, he goes, "Man, I haven't had a coffee. I feel I, it's all decaf up here. I'm in Tahoe, and it's all decaf, and I feel fat." Yeah, you know? we're, we're gonna get to me feeling fat, but I do want to hear Beto's top five characters. <laughs> all right, so I would say Smush Parker was an interesting one, man. Okay, uh, because Smush was there before Pal, so the Smush kill. You know, him and Kobe didn't get along. And, I mean, now they do. I, you know, but, you know, Smush had his own agenda. You know, that New York attitude. Kobe was like, this ain't going to work. Like, and it was bad, bad teams. I mean, bad teams. <laughs> you and had Kwame Brown on that squad. Kwame was on that squad. But as far Brandon as Cook. Yeah. You know who, uh, as far as, like, Lakers never really have characters. It's a different brand. Like, you, the Lakers players that they bring in, are you got to fit in and yeah, if you yeah. don't that you're not even going to make it through the tryout so everybody that's been there 
and I'm not saying it has to be had to be Kobe approved or anything like that. It was from the organization. The bus family has to sign off on you, and the bus kids do a great job scouting and finding people in the second round, like a soccer, like somebody who can contribute that way. Um, you find different people, so everybody that comes in, it's kind of like a Duke attitude, right? Like a Gonzaga attitude, like a college yeah. attitude, where you get recruited there. You have to be certain way. You're, they're not like Bobby Huggins Cincinnati teams, where it's like. Do whatever the hell you want, you get in like that. It's like Kansas State, right? It's a, it's a different kind of plan. So everybody that plays sure. the Lakers kind of has their own identity, but they're not really different. Like even Meta, when he came to the Lakers, conform. Dwight Howard, the second time, now you see a different Dwight. The first time Dwight, that shit wasn't going to fly within like a month. It was like, <laughs> yeah, we knew it was like, oh, no, this ain't going to work. Yeah, first time Dwight, that that – all-star team that Rob was a part of that uh, kind of was, was far from an all-star team. What was your first okay, impression so, of Dwight as a, as a media member? Um, here's the thing. Yeah, go ahead. I knew Dwight. When, so when I was covering the Clippers, I'd always have to go work the visiting locker room. So I'd always go before. And you, as a reporter, you always go into the locker room beforehand and just take a tour of what's going on and get out of there. Like, a lot of people linger. No, you always just go in there just to see because you never know, hey, today this guy's getting a, a wrist tape. He normally doesn't do that. Like, I would go and see what, what shoes guys are wearing just to tell a different kind of story. You know, just anything different to give the fan a perspective. When Dwight was in Orlando, in the Clipper visiting locker room, it's tiny in there. It's really small. And you would see Dwight in the corner eating chicken McNuggets. You're like, it's 6 o'clock, dude. Like, he would eat – Nuggets after his warm-up, and I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking Orlando, he's young. Yeah. He comes to the Lakers. Nuggets. Same fucking thing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like, early 20s, cool, you know. Yeah, you burn that off. You burn it off. But the thing is, now it's like technology has changed. Each team has a nutritionist. You have a chef factor. And the Laker players, they have their own private room where there's a spread of nice food. I've never seen it, but I've heard, right? In the back, you have oh, all that room is isolated from y'all. We keep yeah. away from y'all. Yeah, but it was like you just knew that there was individual meals for everybody pregame to get you your hot. And Dwight's in the corner with his nuggets. You're like, all right. And then Lakers, it, it's a Kobe locker room. Mm -hmm. It's before the game. The media's in there, and if you're talking to them, it's because you're usually not playing or we're getting an update if you're playing. Dwight would sit there in this corner and just suck like this <laughs> and holding court with the media. And I'm like, you don't do that. Not that – I mean, mind you, as a member of the media, it was great because we got interview with him, right? But he was having a conversation with us an hour and a half before the game, and in the locker room, everybody had their headphones on, because Kobe would walk around or stalk around with his headphones on. He was on his own if you saw him. And you're not supposed to sit in your chair. It's with, Once the media comes in, it's, you see them and you're gone. You, you leave. But Dwight would just sit there and there's 10 of us. And we just knew that Dwight would always talk before the game. And Dwight was like, asking, so how are you doing? What are you up to? What are you listening to? What apps do you have on your phone? It's like, I, I would just stand there just to, in case he says something odd. But – the fact that you're engaging and bringing these people in wasn't flying. And it was like, you got to know, like, it's Kobe's locker room, bro. Like, he doesn't want people in here at this time. Like, it just knew. Like, there was no music. It's right around. Headphones, 
do work, you got to lock in. And Dwight's just like, what's up, guys? You good? Like, doing goofy international interviews, like, where he had to do, like, just, just, like, he's, Dwight would get the microphone and interview other people. Yeah, just, just goofing. Yeah, and now, completely different. It was just a different attitude at that time that he had. So I knew, I was like, this ain't going to fly. Like, yeah. Here. Maybe in other cities, great. Orlando. Was, I'm, Orlando, I'm sure it was great. Yeah. Well, I think he created, when you look at Orlando, Dwight, he had created an atmosphere for him that was successful yeah. for, for what, and so he just was stuck in the habits of what, yeah. you know, he was doing over there that was made him successful. But in fact, when you come to the, like you said, you have to conform to what LA is. It's so just to, I know what you're talking about with the whole conforming thing because you, you can see it's just a different attitude when guys come in and they adjust. Like, well, well, look, Rob, like? for you, you, you were not playing and fans loved you because of the uniform you wore. Correct. Right? And, and, yeah. and, and the bench celebrations. Wow. Yeah. He got commercials because he, he was on the late. <laughs> Uh-huh. Did you have like a suit outlet or something like that? Well, how can I get my hands on one of those? Oh, this, let's talk, man. We can talk to Joe after this. Joe. He had commercials <laughs> like for like a Redondo suit outlet or something like that. He Hollywood was, suits, homie. Hollywood suits. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, if you're on the Lakers, everybody's going to get it. There's going to be enough pieces of the pie for everybody, but you got to kind of blend in. So I knew that Dwight wasn't going to be here long. I mean, once again, nice guy. Yeah. Super cool, but just wasn't going to mesh with uh, Kobe. So when he was gone, I'm like, Hell, there's no way he's coming back here. And then he got hurt. And then this, that, it was just, it was an odd year. But if you, that's the thing is, would the people who didn't get along with Kobe, it's not that you had to be a kiss ass to him. It's just fucking be a pro about things. Yeah. They respect you. At, yeah. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like the people who would talk bad would be because, well, you weren't running. You weren't in shape. You weren't doing this. And I'm not trying to be a Kobe apologist. But that's kind of the same way that Phil Jackson had the way with people. It was you were held to a certain standard because you're a Laker. It's different. It's like being a Laker, a Yankee. You know, you got to be – you're different about things. Like, you don't have to be gimmicky there. Where does Steve right. Nash rank in your, your all-time guys? Nash got a raw deal um, because he was hurt and tried to work through it with that old body of his. And was just like Laker fans were just like, he was bad, blah, blah, blah. First of all, all you fans that hated Steve Nash, you guys were celebrating when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh-huh. Oh, this, this, this is going to be fun. Yeah. This is going to be fun, you know? Yeah. And he got traded on 4th of July, and it was like, we give up draft picks for him, great, because we're going to do something. The dude got hurt playing, and he got re injured rehabbing. And it was like, dude, his body just failed him. Nash is one of the nicest persons. Obviously, he's Canadian, but a professional. <laughs> like, his workout before, like, he would come out and do his drill workout when nobody was on the court, then come back later and shoot more, and it was never a wasted effort. It was always professional, everything about him. And you would talk to him, and, you know, he spoke Spanish, so I would mess with him in Spanish a little bit, and he was like, hey, teach me more Spanish. So we'd go back and forth, and he was always just, you could feel that, he felt bad that he could have contributed to the team. But, you know, Laker fans were getting on him like, oh, he should give up his money. Hell no, don't give up your money, fool. Somebody offered that to you, keep yeah. that damn thing. How'd you I, like it, Rob? Oh, dude. 
He, Nash is one of a kind, man. Like, he's the ultimate teammate and ultimate all-star at the same time. If that all – like, you can't put a better teammate and, like, pro everything you – you know, just a perfect pro. And he, he really uplifted, like – the guys around him. I think that's why they were so successful on the teams he played for. Cause he was, he was all about positive, putting out positive energy, like picking guys up. He would never, if someone missed a shot, Hey, good shot. Keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. You know, like that was his whole thing. And, uh, and, and, and he was also a guy that like, liked to have fun too and enjoy himself and have a good time and have a couple beers after the game too. Yeah. You know, talk shit, you know, and that was the cool part about him. He was a guy. He was just your average guy, but had like unbelievable basketball skills, you know? Yeah. Good dude. Did good you ever, dude, speaking of Spanish, did you ever uh, speak Spanish with Pau in little media scrums? That's Not a different type his, of Spanish. Yeah, man. his Spanish Spanish is different, es, huh? España. Yeah, well, because he's from Barcelona. Where they Barcelona, speak Catalonian. Yeah, so they, it's different over there. But he also spoke regular Spanish. So I work English for ESPN Radio, but because I spoke Spanish, I would talk to him in Spanish because he would give you a different answer because he was more comfortable. Now, Powell's like well, probably one of the smartest persons you're ever going to meet. Another seven-footer, but Powell had the shoulders like this, yeah. right? No, the, no. No, no, he would walk. He would walk with that like arrogant, especially when he scores. No, no, no. no. You know say on the court, Powell had it back here. Yeah. But around people, Powell would cut because Powell would always bring himself down to like somebody's height. He'd always yeah. hunch over for interviews. Like he'd always yeah. be cool, Bobby, respectful. And Powell was always like, "Powell, I got to do this interview real quick." Okay, how are you doing today? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's so refreshing. Yeah. Like weird. Yeah. So um, for that one year, I did a Lakers Spanish TV as a silent reporter. So I would get to interview some of these dudes. And it was like the easiest gig, right? I would tell these guys, because they're like, oh, I don't want to speak. I'm like, no, no, no. Here's what it is. I'm going to give you the answer. Just repeat this. And like everybody knew like, okay, cool. So it was double because the Lakers were the only uh, team that had a Spanish and English TV. So I would be the guy I'm like, I'm going to ask you the question. Don't even listen to the question. Just give me this answer and then run away. So that became our bit. Where the yeah. guy was like, me gusta los Lakers, and then they'd be gone. And, like, for our TV director, they just wanted one little soundbite. That's it. So, but right. with Powell, he would just give you these great answers. But Powell was always cool, um, like, with the Spanish because he was very thoughtful. Like, uh, you know, he knew that people were flying across the world to come see him from Spain or wherever they're at to interview him, and he'd always have his thing. So with Powell, it, I don't know if you guys knew this, like, Rob, as teammates, when you guys are in the finals or the playoffs, everybody has to do their media sessions. Powell would have to do double because he would have to do an English session. Then he would have to do a Spanish session. And then he would have to do Barcelona TV, like the different, the Catalonian speak. So, and those guys would come in strong. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care in Spain. Powell, why did you only score 10 yesterday? Like, Whoa, like, like but Powell, interesting. We're here, we totally like kowtow to the athletes. Like, yeah, no, it was because he, Powell would be on the front page of the newspaper, not the sports page, the entire newspaper. Mm -hmm. Powell, they were telling me Powell would be the guy who would lead the newscast. 
It wasn't like, oh, today the president did this. Like, no, Pau Gasol did this today when they're in the playoffs. And I, I didn't know that until later. And I'm like, man, that, that, now you see why he was always stressed out during the playoffs because he had to do so many different things. And he always wanted to please everybody. And he's a national hero back there. He, he's just For one of the sure. another nice guy. Like, the Lakers should retire his jersey, man. He did a lot of contributions. Because if he doesn't show up, the Lakers don't win. Oh, no, yeah. absolutely not. No, absolutely yeah. not. Your no. favorite, favorite Lakers moment, is it 2010? No, my favorite Lakers moment is when I took Robert Soccer to East L.A. Oh, man. <laughs> we went to the hood, man. Well, so, Soccer, I made him a fan favorite. So, like, my did I not? People used to be like, oh, I was just about to say, you had all the Mexicans on my side. Oh. Everyone, oh, I was in the, I, I, everyone thought I was a vato. It was awesome. <laughs> I had, I, I, I have, I have respect in the hood no matter what when I go down to LA because of him. So I have a good social media following. I'm the only Mexican that covers a SoCal sports. So okay. I'm Mexican American, right? So like, I, the people who were like, like you got me. the flag in the background right now. That's what right. the hell is that? That's covering up my car. <laughs> I'm in the garage. Oh, that's so Mexican. <laughs> there Mexican it is. Flag. You got a Mexican flag covering the car? Come on, hey, man. What's up, Ron? We got... <laughs> oh, some tequila, too? Well, oh. You got the big gallon, too, bro. No trip. Bought this local Beto, Beto, Beto you, won't take a, you won't take a rip of that right now. No, not at nine forty in the morning. Damn it! Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I do that Thursday nights. Um, so I, so my deal is like, if anybody can have a connection to the city, cool. I would tweet. I tweet about it, whatever. So how, how I met uh, Sock is that I always got to the arena early. If the game's at seven thirty, I get there at four because one, I just love being in the building and it's awesome. I still take that opportunity as like I'm a little kid who shouldn't be in there. So if I could be there early, let's go. And part of the reason why I started going is because Kobe would shoot at four sometimes. So if you can see Kobe and I tweet about it and my job as a reporter for ESPN Radio is showing what's up, like, cool. But he would do that once a month. So no matter what, I made it a habit of always showing up at four o'clock because you never knew who was going to be working out, whether it was Steve Nash or whether it was somebody. You just never know. But then the rookies go there early. So I, I would see Sacre and other guys working out and I would just sit on the bench. No interviews. I would just sit on the bench, watch, and, like, just pay attention. And that was it. You, as a reporter, you learn more by staying shut and just watching. And got to know Robert. I'm like, you know, hey, what's up, blah, 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 blah. And then I tweeted a picture of him, and people were like, that dude looks like my cousin, right? Or that dude looks like <laughs> – right? And because he, he wasn't bald yet. So yeah. he still had hair. Yeah. And then the one – one day I see him, this dude has his shirt off, and he has a tattoo of Tyson Snoop. And I'm like, as a reporter, you're naturally, I'm like, why do you have that? Like, who, who are you, and why do you have these jailhouse tattoos? <laughs> so I take a picture of it, and that picture went L.A. viral. People were like, dude, that's fucking cool. Or who is this guy? What's up with him? Blah, blah, blah. So I would just... Just take a picture. And I got to know him. And it was like, okay, soccer is always out here at 4.30 working out, skipping rope. So one day he's skipping rope. I post a picture of that because I would just post. I always treat my social media as like, let me take the fan with me. Because yeah, right. Because you're in the building yeah. until 6 o'clock, you're not going to see this stuff once you come in. So I'm like showing you. And I'm kind of like wetting the appetite for you if you're coming to the game. 
And then one day he's skipping rope. Sure enough, that picture too. I'm thinking just an innocent picture of a guy skipping rope. Dude, that's how he learned in San Quentin, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so just messing around. And then like uh, the, the TV producer, there's a show called Backstage Lakers, kind of like a 24-7, like where they show you back there. One of the producers was like, hey, man, you have a good rapport with some of these guys. We want to do like you in the day with these guys. They're like, you know, we need to get up the Mexican angle a little bit. How do we do that? I'm like, I'm going to take soccer to East LA. I said this as a joke. Yeah. As a joke. Uh-huh. Because he had the Lincoln Town car, which is like every Vato's car right there. He <laughs> still got it. I still got it. He still got it. I, I rode in it. got it. You got the upholstery in Southgate. Like you went to like the dude. Like, <laughs> like okay. Every NBA player moves to Manhattan Beach, mm-hmm. Calabasas, gated communities. Yeah. This fool is like where you're not supposed to be at. He's so at Staples <laughs> Center, you have the lower bowl, which is like all the famous people. Yeah. People that got money, mid-level is like you know, hard worker. The 300 level by the roof, by the ceiling, those are the hardcore fans who save up their money all year long, and they're only going to see one game. That's who Robert identified with. That's yeah. who was like, hey, even though he wasn't playing, but like that dude is cool because he's down. So I was like, as a joke, I was like, let me take him to East LA. A producer signed off on it. I'm like, oh shit, you guys are for real? Like, you really want to do this? So there's a <laughs> spot called Manuel's El Tepeyac. Famous like burrito spot. It's hole in the wall, but they have a one pound burrito. Oh, it's huge. One pound. And the challenge is if you finish it, you get it for free and you get a t-shirt. So I, I knew somebody there and I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna come. And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. So the producers were down and we went and I tweeted like, hey, we're gonna be here. And like two people showed up, right? And then after we left, I was like, all right, great time. I take the picture with Rob and post it. All the people... You were serious? You really went? (laughs) The Lakers were in East LA? No way, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, we did it. So it was like one of the best episodes they had on Backstage Lakers. And I mean, I was hurting. I I tried my best to finish it, which I should have done, but this fool did. You finished it, Rob? Was there a time? Was there a time limit on it? I just remember being sick. They give you a shot of tequila afterwards. Oh, and that kills you. That kills you after that burrito. Was it like bedtime after that? Oh yeah. That, it, oh yeah. It's, it's <laughs> your stomach hurts. Yeah. It is right in the hood. I'd always text but or Beto would always like look on my Instagram or something and be like, yo, why are you why are you there, fool? What are you doing right in the, what are you doing? I'd be at like this taco truck in uh Venice and La Brea. And yeah, he'd be like, yo, fool. Yeah, he'd be like, yo, fool, like it's it's midnight. What the hell are you doing out there, man? <laughs> He would go to Compton. He would like, he became a man of the city. And that's why he was embraced. And <clears throat> to this day, people were like, man, that dude didn't play, but he was in the city. And that's another thing. When, that's the responsibility when you put on the purple and gold. It's you got to embrace the city. And that's what Robert does. That's what, look, you know, Chris Duhon will forever be a Laker. Right? He went yeah. to Duke, but because he played for the Lakers, people will know that. Like, um, uh, who's that guy? God. Uh, Oh, man, he, he played in Michigan. Darius uh, uh, Morris. Darius Morris. He's playing in Europe, but because he played for the Lakers, you play with Kobe, oh, big deal. You in Japan, oh, you play with Kobe, big deal. It's going to stay with you forever. And, like, Laker fans are super hardcore. Laker fans get tattoos of the team, like, hardcore. They're like – I always say it's Laker, Raider, Dodger fan is the same guy, and they are yeah. – <laughs> yes. 
Yes, that is so true. That is so true. They're the exact same, and you do not, do not want to mess with them and their team. Didn't I hook you up with a Dodger game? Well, I'm just looking at that baseball bat you got, and I'm like, this guy is a Dodger fan because he's waiting for Giants. He's waiting for a Giant fan to come out of the stadium and beat him over the head with a baseball bat. You went to, I hooked you up with Dodger tickets one time, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, man. I, oh, yeah. Oh, I love going to Doyer games. <laughs> Doyers. Robert was a Mexican in a past life, man. I was. Rob just sure. a, I'm married to a Mexican. What are you talking about? Rob just ah, man, a, she cool, but she ain't like you, fool. <laughs> Rob's just a fan of cultures. That's Rob's, true. Rob's interested in cultures. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's <laughs> my favorite thing about him. What do you do now, Sock? What don't I do? I don't know. Do everything, are you, man. Are you like on your farm or something? I got my I got my animal. I just finished riding horses. I was up at five riding horses this morning. Then I got this podcast. I got what else I got? I got real estate. What else do you want to talk about, man? I got like, a CBD thing. I'm in Spokane. So okay, that do you remember you said you had bought acres out there? Yeah, that's where you I'm out here. Oh yeah, I'm I'm loving and living life, baby. So like, how many acres you got? Just under six. Oh, that's it. Oh, I thought you had like a, a big old. I'm not a Cayman type guy. I'm not he getting has a couple hundred. hundred. A couple thousand, let's say. He's that. got a. Some, he has three ranches, doesn't he? Does he have two in he, Oregon and one in Michigan? He sold one in Oregon. You remember okay. that? He sold yeah. one. We had him on the podcast too. Oh, Cayman had a – no, didn't he buy, like, a hunting grounds or something like that, acres so he can go hunting just for himself? Yes, in that Oregon. He bought two. Right. Yeah, yeah. He was a unique character on the show for sure. For Super sure. Nice. Super nice. Though, Super man. nice. Extremely Super nice. nice, man. Beto, what are, you, what are you doing now? How have you been uh, battling, battling through COVID here? Uh, I've been sitting in this garage trying to do shows. Um <laughs> like you mentioned the zone yes yeah, so i work I, I mean i work a lot of boxing but like the last time i worked was march i've been doing like a podcast out of my my the garage I, cre- I created this like to just do stuff I, at first i was doing podcasts just to stay busy and then it kind of picked up a little bit different so i have my living the dream one which is where i talk to people about how they got to where they're at usually that's what yep. broadcasters yep. uh then i have a, a baseball one with a friend uh, ricky romero let's go ricky Rowe, who played for the Toronto Blue Jays for a while. So we've had a lot of Blue Jay fans uh, listening to that one. Uh, and then I started doing a boxing one on Thursday night with a boxing trainer. You would love this dude. Actually, he has horses too. So he's a trainer in India, Joel Diaz. And I said one day I was trying to figure out how to do like the Zoom kind of thing. And like yeah. I found a program where you can do all the graphics and all that other stuff. And I was like, coach, I know you talk and you just love telling stories. How about we do one one night as a test? So I put it on YouTube live and everything else. And we, he's like, hey, where's your shot? Let's do a shot. And I'm like, all right, I'm trying to be professional. Dude, two hours <laughs> later, this guy's telling all kinds of stories. And I'm fucking hammered, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, cool, that was a good experiment. The next week, people are like, you guys are doing this again? And I'm like, coach, you want to do it again? He's like, yeah. So it's become a show every Thursday night at 8 called Thursdays. And you don't have to necessarily be a boxing fan. He just tells his stories of where he's been, of like, where he's gone somewhere and the commission's like trying to t- take his seat. He's the trainer. And while he's talking to his fighter, they're taking the seats away in like Uzbekistan or like geez, all these like crazy stories all over the world of like traveling to Brazil. And all of a sudden there's like nobody to pick him up. And the fighter has given the wrong food and like, just like these crazy different things. And it's become a show we do on Thursday night. 
uh it's just like the travels and i just we we take shots while we're doing the show so it's on that's where the bottle's from that's where the bottle's from that's the the bottle's from so uh just go to my youtube bethel duran and you'll see a bunch of different stuff up there and uh i got a fight coming up at the end of the month finally for the zone so i work for golden boy boxing i work the zone do a lot of boxing uh cbs2 here in la i work with jim hill bro the exactly talk about great hair amazing so jim hill <laughs> is a man here in la who is a legend he has his own star on the hollywood walk of fame um if you saw rocky is he really Green, hell yeah he got like 20 years ago he played in the nfl but he's like in the 70s now if you ever saw rocky three there's a guy a reporter who asked clubber lang what's your prediction and he says pain that's jim hill asking him the question oh jim so, hill's asking the clubber, clubber lang, lang pain question is, yeah, so That's Jim Hill in LA is royalty. He always asked the first question. Like, no, no, nobody else can ask. The, like, you wait till Jim asks the first question, and then you do it. So I've been doing – I did a show with him uh, for a few months, and then COVID came, and then it's like, okay, we don't need you anymore. I'm like, all right, cool. So <laughs> we're just hanging around trying to be productive. That's hey, how, kid, how old is your do. kid now? Eight. I got eight, four, and two. And he's what, like six foot? Oh, he's tall, boy. He's just all arms and legs now. It's crazy. The, well, the Razorback, right? The, the Silverback. Silverback, Silverback. <laughs> the Silverback. The Silverback of my daughter's the Kodiak. Oh, man. I remember, like, so his kid would show up at, like, while Rob's working, and, like, Vanessa would bring him by, and he was cool, and then it was like, was like that kid's going to be huge. What is he, like, five, six, two? <laughs> <laughs> Not even walking. He's still in diapers, and he's like got a size ten foot. I know, running around on the court and everything. It's, he doesn't remember anything. What sport? Yeah. Do you, what sport do you want to have him play? Is it hoops? I wanted him to play baseball, man. Get paid. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted him to be a pitcher. Just sit on that mound. Roger Clemens, go stay at home. You know, you get to travel, maybe, <laughs> but play once a week. You know, bring your golf clubs with you. Make him Randy Johnson, man, 6'11". But he's what I'm saying. Your kid's going to be an offensive lineman, 6'9", 350, just – Nah, man, he wants to be a football player, though. He does. He's driven on being a football player. So I'm like, all right, let's go, Jimmy Graham. But he – no, he's a lineman, bro. He's not going to be a seven-foot quarterback. No, I want him to be a receiver. He wants to be a receiver. You got to go, to, play- you gotta go to a big high school if you want your giant kid to be a receiver. Because I what feel, do you mean? I think Benjamin Graham right is six seven. But I think in high school, I think they're going to see the size of your child, and I know, they're going to be like, "Oh, you're a grown man. You Rob, are playing." You're seven mind. foot. Your wife is tall. You have a huge family. Like that kid is going to be your okay. Your moneymaker is going to be your daughter. She's going to be six three volleyball player. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Well, no, where are no, but she's going to do barrel racing. We've already con- we've confirmed that. <laughs> we've confirmed that for real. No, we've. I, I've driven that in her head like every single day. You're the number one barrel racer. You're the number one barrel racer. You're the number one barrel. You just so want to go dri- to the stampede. That's all you want. I, I want, dude. I I've already prepared to buy the trailer and just travel the country with her and just just that's I'm I'm like that psycho dad that's like get back on the horse. Come on, do it again. I'm always on there on that. Man. So forget the boys. It's the girl that you're worried about. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. You got to keep girls stimulated. You got to keep them focused. <laughs> and your wife's okay with this? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, no. Never, never. No, never. Vanessa wants her girly girl. 
She does. So that's what I'm selling. Okay, then you can be the rodeo queen. Okay, so she's going to be wearing. dress her up. Doing barrel yep. racing. Yep. Yep. Is there any yep. money in barrel racing? Dude, those girls make like up to 100000 200000 a year. Really? The top end? Yeah. Rodeo they make, make, they can make Yeah, all those rodeo guys, like the top steer rest, they can make up to like. The uh, bull riders. Like what about the girls? Though, yeah. No, the the girls they can make up to at least a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand barrel what? racing. <laughs> it's crazy. The prize money's wild, and the sponsors and all that, man. And then how do you two know each other? We both college. You. Oh, you're. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have known. That. I need to know some Sacre Gonzaga stories first. I've got a few. Um, <laughs> My favorite one is, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, the year, his sophomore year, when he officially got the word that he was going to have to take a medical red shirt, he had fought, oh. you were, you were fighting it for like weeks, right, Rob? You were like, no, right, I'm fine. Right, right. I can come back. I can help the team. It was a good team. Sweet 16. Yeah. Anyway, Rob came over to my house and he drank a 40 and he drank one and it was super fast. And we were, he was like, I'm going to do it again. We were like, whoa, 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 let's time this. We got the microwave timer going. And he drank a 40 <laughs> ounce. We set it for 90 seconds. He drank a 40 ounce OE. It was some awful 40. He drank it in 45 it was, seconds. 45 seconds of 40. Yeah, and it was his second one. The, doing it for the Vatos, homie. This is why they love you in LA, man. <laughs> <laughs> love you, bro. That's why they love you. Oh Not man! Vocals forever. When you when you come into Spokane, we will get you up to Spokane. I would love to go to Spokane. My kid is actually, believe it or not, he likes Gonzaga as a potential baseball. Coach. No, my son plays basketball. He ended up being a basketball guy. Oh, right he's on. A, he's a he's gonna be a sophomore in high school. Um, he'll be, he'll end up being like six two. He's a shooter. He's a corner three. I can't I can't speak about this because I work at the school now too. So I. What do you mean you work at the school? He works at the school. I work at the school. I help fundraise. Look at perfect? How perfect is that, Beto? How perfect is that? What was that pause for? I think he thinks it's perfect. No, it, it, there's nobody better to show up, shake hands, kiss babies. Get some money. And, and like, hey, Get come on, money. man. <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a Jesuit. We're here for the kids. Uh, Talk to him. We're here for the kid. It's the, the people here. I moved back here because of what Gonzaga meant to me. You said it. I didn't. Yeah. You said it. I didn't. You're selling it already. It's a family. Basketball is just one. It's just basketball is just one small layer. We're not here one for basketball. Layer. We're here no, for mm, no basketball. Mm, mm, but it's mm. a brotherhood here. It's a brotherhood. <laughs> yeah, you can go to St. Mary's. You can go to Pacific. But Gonzaga it's not a brand coach few could have gone anywhere he wanted <laughs> <laughs> the fly fishing is what he's all about oh my goodness strong oh, mark my are you taking my job that's strong mark you know it's better than i we said it to meta the zags play in la twice a year at least twice a year yeah, LMU. Maybe even, LMU we'll pepperdine baby we have a worn out it for your rest in malibu can't get a can't show your face in demographics. <laughs> demographics. Beto, thank you so much, man. You heard the three podcasts. Which, if people want to tune into just one, which one should they sample? Uh, if you want to get inspired, uh, living the dream. If living you want to uh, get drunk, uh, Thursday is with boxing. And if uh, you like baseball, let's go, Ricky Rowe.
That's it's, it's all on YouTube. All on YouTube. Beto, thanks so much for your time, man. We appreciate it. Right on, man. From the corner! And it's over! Gonzaga! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.